You would know that we, my family, just spent um, eight years in South Africa and moved back to the United States roughly a year ago, last October. So our kids had a reference point of Christmas in the warm southern hemisphere, and no matter what you do in terms of celebrating Christmas there, because there are kind of the Santa Claus images and that kind of thing that, that pop up, it's just never the same. You know, you can't have an American Christmas, the nostalgia and the sweetness of it like it is in America that we all take for granted here. It just isn't the same in South Africa. And uh, since we have now been here, this is our second Christmas here in, in the States, my, uh, especially my youngest one, who I can pick on because he just left the room, um, is a total Christmas junkie. And uh, he has bought himself an elf like elf onesie kind of thing or whatever, like not a onesie, but a, a what? Pajamas with like belt. <laughs> he's, he's talking about Christmas every day. So I, I personally love the Christmas season. I know you think I'm probably a little strange for bringing that up because it's like Christmas is what we do every year. But when you've been gone for eight years, you, you miss this. So anyways, let's recover and uh, pray. No, we, we, uh, I'm just going to share... Um, something relatively brief, um, we've been talking about our mission um, as a church, we've been talking about things about the church being a family, and, um, and these kinds of things. Today I'm going to talk about the role of the Holy Spirit in a very practical way uh, with us fulfilling our, our mission. Uh, I don't know about you, but I, I don't want to be here for like to play church games and to just kind of do church. I want to be here to accomplish divine purpose. Amen. And, um, and I hope that you have that hunger too. Not just to bide our time until the grave. Like fulfill divine purpose. And the beautiful thing is the Holy Spirit has been sent to be with you and me. And I actually did say that. You and me. <laughs> like take that into consideration. You and me. To fulfill divine purpose under his, the power of his Holy Spirit. So I wonder if we could just pray right now. And ask God to unveil the things that he wants to show us and to posture our hearts and align us. Even right now, in the next couple of minutes as we give food away, um, that God would use us in whatever way he wants. So Father, we, we do thank you that because of faith in you, you have made us to become sons and daughters of you, of yourself. And we thank you that, that through that amazing exchange, you have given us your spirit. You said, Jesus, that it, it was better that you leave, that you could send the comforter, the, the promise of the Holy Spirit. And we thank you that you have sent the Holy Spirit and that your spirit is with us. We want to make space for your Holy Spirit. Lord, we don't want to ignore your Holy Spirit and the activity of your Holy Spirit. We want to rely upon the activity of your Holy Spirit, to lean in and to receive from and be led by and empowered by your Holy Spirit. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to, to lead us out of our comfort zones. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to lead us into the perfect will of Jesus. We thank you that you and you alone can, can accomplish that. We thank you that despite our weaknesses and our limitations, you are able and we invite you to lead us. Our trust is in you, in Jesus' name. Amen. So by review, we talked about these things. I'll just read them off quickly. So I was, I've been talking about church as a family. 
um, that we're not just a gathering, we're not just a Sunday mission or a Sunday morning meeting, we're a family. And that's God's intention has been. He revealed himself as Father, therefore, the, and his son is a son, familial terms, the whole idea of church and what he started is a family. Okay, I'm not going to re preach that. Church is a family on mission. And um, we, Minda, my wife, so eloquently and wonderfully talked about that to influence our culture, we need to show hospitality to our culture. We're about to do that in a few minutes. Giving food away, having people in our home, getting to know people, relationship. And um, I talked about a few weeks ago about how the gospel is shared over a bridge. The bridge, the gospel that is inside of me comes from me and across to another person to impact their life across a bridge. And that bridge is trust that is developed through relationship with people. And so that's an important thing. We develop relationships. It's not just about knocking on a door and asking people if they know where they're going to go if they die tonight, you know, or whatever crazy things people have done. Uh, we develop real, earthy relationships with people, and that becomes the context in which what Jesus has done in our lives is, uh, impacts other people. And then uh, my father-in-law, Rodney, uh, shared one. How many of you were here last week for that? That was, that was wonderful. Good to have them back in the States and, and specifically here at Border City Church in Detroit. And he talked about the fact that we are here from the point of receiving Jesus. The only reason that we are left on this earth, instead of going into eternity with him, is to accomplish mission. And uh, one of the points that he brought out is the fact that in this environment here, when we gather together as a church, we are to be, he said a couple things, but one of which is to be goaded and girded, which are terms to kind of like the way you would goad cattle, you know, prod cattle, <laughs> um, to move forward. And the purpose, we're goaded and we're girded so that we would go and give what we've been given. So we, by default, our nature, is, it tends to be about you and me. How many of you know tomorrow morning the overwhelming temptation will be to think about your life, your needs, what your fears are, your worries, you, 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 when there's a world that Jesus actually wants to reach through us in spite of our worries and our fears and our needs, in, 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 even in that. So let's talk about the role of the Holy Spirit. Here's the issue is that the world needs Jesus. The community, the culture, people, every single human being needs to know the one who loves them, who gave everything up for them, who died for them, and also reigns today on the throne of heaven as king and lord forever. He is the one that the, the earth needs. Now the last time I checked, I have a hard time giving him to somebody in my own power. How about you? So yeah, I'm not just even talking about the world, non-Christians, whatever. I'm, I'm talking about you and me, like me, a pastor. I need Jesus today. Okay? And some of you could have the privilege of ministering something into my life through the words that you share or through things that you do that would impact me. But if it's just you, that's not Jesus. But, the, if, but to the degree that you are... I've received him. His spirit is with you. He can flow through you and empower you and is, in fact, designed you uniquely 
to be a unique expression of a part of who he is to be a blessing to other people. And you can impact me or whoever it is through the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about some of that. We need the Holy Spirit to fulfill our call. So if that's the case, I want to talk for a few minutes this morning about ways that we can cultivate the activity, the presence, the reality of the Holy Spirit in a very practical way in our daily lives. That's what we're wanting to just touch on today. And I hope that you hunger after that, as I do. And, and I'll just tell you now, let's, let's like unveil the, 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 big, the big points. Heart connection through worship, three things. Heart connection through worship, um, asking, simply asking for the Holy Spirit. Just asking. And then Jesus, posturing ourselves to submit to Jesus' Lordship. Those three things create the environment where the Holy Spirit can increasingly do what he wants to do in our lives. And you know what the awesome secret is? The Holy Spirit and what he wants to do is actually good. It's actually like wonderful. How many of you ever felt like, I don't want to yield that to God because like, what is he going to do? What's he going to lead me into? Anybody ever been there before? This Holy Spirit thing, like, you know, you, Holy Spirit, stay over there and I'll just do my thing and hopefully I'll, do, I'll give God my best efforts and, and, and hopefully you'll be proud of me. And God's actually saying, I don't want your best efforts. I want you to just give your heart to me and, you, and trust me and be willing to follow me. And I'll empower you to do what only I can do. That's what pleases me. And so um, let's, let's, let's talk about that. We need the Holy Spirit. If you don't believe me, then maybe you'll believe the word of God. Acts 1.8. If you can pop that up there, Jonathan. says this. Jesus, Jesus says this to his disciples right before he... Right before he ascends into heaven, he says, uh, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. You will be my witnesses is the mission statement. That's what I'm sending you to do, to witness to the world of me. But the context of how that can be done, correct me if I'm wrong, is receiving power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Somehow we in the church have kind of gotten to a place where the Holy Spirit is this like optional extra I'll read the Bible, but the Holy Spirit, I don't really know what, you know. I'll memorize scripture, and I'll pray, but Holy Spirit, what does that even mean? The Holy Spirit is what makes this thing real and relational. At a deep heart level. And the intimacy and the confines of that innermost being, your spirit and his spirit, communing together. That's That's what completes this picture. So you receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Another key missionary text, Isaiah 61. Perhaps some of you have heard that scripture before. Ha, ha, ha. That's like a, uh, a visionary text very much for, uh, for this church. And incidentally, was also the mission that Jesus quoted when he started his ministry. Isaiah 61 says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. I'm not going to read that whole scripture. Let's just stop there. This, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. There's your context. The spirit of God being on me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Without the Holy Spirit, our efforts for mission is just human effort. And as wonderful as that is and, and nice as that is, we are born for much more than this. And uh, let's not also forget that the church, if you remember the church, the church, 
In Acts chapter 2, day of Pentecost, some of you would remember the story. There were, Jesus told them to go and, and tarry in Jerusalem until the promise of the Holy Spirit comes. And about 120 people were in an upper room and they were praying. Anybody ever heard the story? And on the day of Pentecost, something like a rushing mighty wind filled that room. And they began to speak with other tongues. And they saw cloven tongues of fire above them. And, and people out in the streets began to hear this thing. And what the heck is happening? How did the church that you and I claim to be a part of down to this day, where was it born? How was it born? In a place of searching for the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit coming upon people. That's how the church was born. And somehow we've kind of evolved from that. Until now we are about doctrine and about our theology. Now I'm not downing doctrine and theology. Trust me, it's incredibly important. But if it's not revelation from the living Spirit of God, it's just intellect. And the world is not saying, church, come and share with me your intellectual knowledge about the scriptures. They're saying, come and show me a father that actually loves me unconditionally. Show me the reality of a God who's actually really powerful and really does love me. That can only be revealed through a church who is following the Holy Spirit. And so uh, last Sunday, you may remember, we gave space for the Holy Spirit. How many of you know, by the way, the Holy Spirit is wild but not weird? Hey, sometimes the church can confuse that a little bit. If it's the Holy Spirit, we need to start shaking and whatever. I don't know if you've been in those kinds of churches, whatever. And I'm, I'm, honestly, I'm not trying to put people down. I'm just saying those things are not always helpful. And, and I don't see Jesus like doing weird, weird in one sense, I guess, but not like, you know, turning people away because of how strange he is claiming that it's the Holy Spirit's fault. Actually, the Holy Spirit is wild, though. And when, when it's really him moving, it's not comfortable to us in our little comfort zones and our, our, um, our uh, the word's not coming, but our dignity. Yes. Um, so last Sunday, we gave a little bit of space for, the, for, for just people to be ministered to. I don't know if you would remember. And, and there were some people who were, I think, not feeling well that we prayed over. Um, but I, I was just up here, I think Jason we were praying for, he was in uh, urgent care with a sinus infection, and we were praying, anyways, and I was just, I, I was just here, and, and, I, and I just felt like, I'm, I'm going to turn my heart to the Lord right now, people are praying for people, but there could be something that the Holy Spirit wants to do, and I just began to do that, and in that moment, I was reminded of something that I just encouraged a few, everyone with about five minutes before that, about the disciples being in the boat and, and the storms blowing and, and all this stuff. And I felt that word was actually for a particular lady who was visiting that morning. You may remember. And so I kind of stepped out, not knowing if I was going to, you know, embarrass her or look like an idiot. And so I just said, I don't want to embarrass you, but I feel like that was for you. She was sitting back in that corner. And, uh, and later on, I found out some, some details that she shared with me, writing a note about the amazing, like how poignant that was and how necessary that was for her to hear that morning. That's the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that? Do you know that that's not because I'm an ordained minister or anything? That's because I'm like crazy enough to actually give myself and say, Jesus, use me if you want to. Come on. And, And you have that same ability. I'm not saying that every encounter that you have, like when we go outside to love Detroit, in fact, please don't feel like you have to have a prophecy for every person that you talk to. Please don't. But at the same time, please make yourself available. Yes. Oftentimes I feel that God anoints me to love people. Yes. 
to like truly and, and sincerely love people. And sometimes that becomes a bridge of trust where other things can, 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 uh, can happen. Incidentally, another example, great perfect example, is some of you or many of you would know that, um, that uh, during our very busy weeks, I'm both uh, uh, performing pastoral duties as well as uh, in, involved in business as a real estate a realtor. And um, during my uh, initial training and introduction with our brokerage, I was with a group of probably about 35 other um, seasoned realtors, and uh, I'm going into this new space, and it had been several years since I was playing that game, so it was a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of an intimidating factor, and so I'm, I go into this six-week training thing, and there's all these, like, you know, highly successful people and all this stuff, but I was, I remember driving on the 696 on, as I was heading into the heading into where the, the brokerage is, and I just began, I began praying, I began praying over all the people that I was going, I didn't even know them, never even seen them, praying over all the people I was going to be meeting, this, this class of people, praying, God, you, you love them, and, and I make myself available, just want to, uh, you know, pray that you would use me, and do you know, when I got there, I made such good connections and could just sense God being with me, if that makes sense, to connect with people and make a positive rapport and even had opportunities to get up, uh, I won't go into the details of how it happened, and share the vision of this church and some of the faith and some of what God's done in my life. I mean, you know, like, who expects to go into that kind of an atmosphere and have that opportunity? Yeah. You know, but you, you ask, you ask, and it's amazing what God will do simply because his sons and his daughters asked. So what is the Holy Spirit upon us? Real quickly, and then we'll get into how to cultivate it, and then we'll be done. What is the Holy Spirit upon us? First of all, Jesus Christ. You ever heard of him? Jesus is the man. He was fully man, fully God. Jesus was a man born in a stable in filth uh, from an actual human mother, Mary, and he was raised by a carpenter in obscurity in some remote place in Israel. He was a real person, fully person, not human bee, but really God, fully person, but he was also the Christ, fully God, not God be kind of God, but God, God, God's really the God. He's kind of like God, God, fully God, fully man. The Christ, do you know what Christ means? Anointed one anointed with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And every person who has received that Jesus into their hearts by declaring by faith that he is their Lord and, and uh, repented of their sins and received his lordship in their lives, every person who has made that transaction, if you will, that exchange, has received the Holy Spirit and you are Christ. You know, they first started calling us Christians in, in a city called Antioch. You know what Christian means? Little Christ. It's like these little followers of Jesus who are anointed with the Holy, same Holy Spirit doing, doing his work. So <clears throat> that, is the, that is the concept. What is the anointing? What is the Holy Spirit upon us? A couple ideas. It's the sense of his presence. The Holy Spirit being upon us and, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So and, and when I was sharing that thing with that lady, her name is Mary, she was sitting in the back there this past Sunday, I just had a sense 
It doesn't mean that it was necessarily an all, I could, fell to my knees because I couldn't stand under the glory of God. I just said that subtle, tender sense of his presence upon me. Does that make sense? A sweetness. Like this intimacy sense of his presence. That's the Holy Spirit. Another idea would be the sense of his leading. In other words, it's like you just know what he is leading you to do. Usually for me, I don't know about you, usually it feels like I want to do it and I'm afraid to do it at the same time. Exactly. But there's this sense of conviction that I know what the Holy Spirit is leading me into. Another thing would be what I just said, the sense of conviction and confidence. That something happened when I, as an example again, spoke to that lady in the back, that as I shared, there just, and sometimes while preaching, sometimes while whatever, there will be the sense of a conviction about what I'm saying is right. And it will almost be a supernatural conviction. Because what you're saying sometimes to this world may seem crazy, and it's like you're anointed the Holy Spirit to be confident from heaven's perspective, that what you're saying is actually not crazy, it's truth. I hope that makes sense. Another sense, two more, would be it's empowering. You feel empowered in those moments. As you step out in obedience to what the Holy Spirit's leading you to do, you sense empowering to do something that ordinarily you would not feel empowered to do. And then finally, what is the Holy Spirit upon us? It is the link. Please hear this. It is a real link between heaven and earth. You become the gateway that heaven is able to come into the earth because the same spirit that is in heaven is also in you. Therefore, there's a connection between you and heaven. And to the degree that you're led by that spirit that's in heaven, what is happening and being willed in heaven begins to flow through you. So God in heaven, through the Holy Spirit, wanted to speak to Mary about a situation that only he knew about in this room. And somebody had to say, use me, and then step out and do it. You follow? But that's only for the person who stands up here in the front every Sunday, right? Right. You, you, you common folk, maybe one day. Maybe one day. No, yeah, I'm obviously joking. This is for everybody. And it doesn't, it, how God uses you is different from how God uses me. Thank God. If it was all like me, we would all, I mean, I don't even know if you fill in the blank. I mean, that would suck, right? But God has uniquely designed you to express himself uniquely through you. And that's like the journey, is discovering how God has called you. And uh, when you step into it, it feels right. It's not some weird off thing. It's just like it, it sets right with your actual, divine, your actual wiring and makeup. Three things of how we can cultivate the activity of the Spirit in our lives, if you're ready. I promise this will not take long. We're just going to go through it quickly. First off is heart connection through worship. In other words, worship is not just about going through a list of songs. It's not just a spiritual to-do thing, a goody good thing that's good. You know, I, I know my friend Jason here who was on the cajon this morning happens to do kind of devotionals every day and he loves to sing to God. That's not something that we just do as some duty. That is our, it's a medium God has given us to connect us here on earth with the atmosphere of heaven. Heaven 
is occupied by worship. And it's not just the singing of the songs, it's the embracing of the lyrics that are proclaiming truth about who he is. As our heart proclaims with faith what we're saying, we begin to connect our heart and our soul with truth that is real in heaven. And the Holy Spirit is that amazing entity that will cause the truth to become alive and and on fire inside of our hearts as we do that. Ephesians 5.18, can we look at that real quick? I love this scripture. Some of you know that before I became a Christian at the age of 17, um, I was no stranger to intoxicating substances. And um, I remember feeling rather bad after about a year of continuing trying to follow Jesus, but also doing that and reading this scripture as a freshman in college. Do not get drunk on wine and whatever other means that you may get intoxicated on. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, or the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God, the Father for everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, a couple thoughts, and I just want to say this real quick. First of all, what Paul is saying here is that what we are seeking when we get drunk or intoxicated in whatever means it may be, what the thing that we're seeking for, usually, which is things like lightheartedness, a break from our problems and our stresses and our worries and our fears and our insecurities, and just being able to hit pause on that and retreat into something that would medicate and be a salve over that. What Paul is saying is, Being filled with the Holy Spirit is the true thing that really is going to do that in a way that's fulfilling and you don't get a hangover. Come on now. I know. Whoa. (laughs) Wait, there's more. So that's the amazing. So if that's true, and that may seem bizarre to some of you, you may say, get drunk? Like, what? What are you talking about? No, I'm not saying you get drunk. However, on the day of Pentecost, The people who were out in the streets who saw the disciples from the upper room spilling out, you know what their accusation was? Why are they drunk at nine in the morning? They thought they were drunk. The Holy Spirit creates something of a lightheartedness and a freedom about freedom from the fears and the cares and the worries because those fears and those cares and those worries don't exist in heaven. And to the degree that we're filled with this Holy Spirit through connecting with him, we don't carry those fears and worries and concerns. How many of you ever experienced what I'm talking about? Being in the presence of God in a place of worship and what was a mountain in front of you now seems like a molehill and God now looks like the Mount Everest next to the same, right? And you know he is with you and he'll take care of it. That's the Holy Spirit. Completely change your perspective. Don't get drunk with wine. Yes, all of us may be tempted with that to some degree when we're hit with problems. Use that as a moment to say, no, I will rather be filled with the Holy Spirit. How do we do that? Well, he tells us. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. That means, you know, Tamora needs to give me a call and just start speaking to me in psalms and hymns and songs. You know, I don't know. Actually, no, don't do that. It means... It's, it's talking about psalms and hymns, those things that are written to proclaim who he is. Like I was saying earlier, the proclamation through song. For whatever reason, we're wired for that to be a powerful medium that connects our heart in a way that's more than perhaps reading the words, singing them somehow. 
You, you proclaim those things, psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, that sometimes as we enter into this place that the Holy Spirit sometimes will actually give you a refrain. I mean, I'm, please don't feel like you have to do this or if you're like a lesser Christian, if, if that never happens to you. I'm just saying that does happen to some people. That as they're worshiping, they begin... In fact, I've got a friend in Chicago who just moved there from South Africa and, and is the worship leader. Always, when, when he begins to worship God, he begins to get this refrain. And then he'll begin to sing it out to the rest of the congregation and it'll like usher in this amazing moment for all the people there. So the, that's kind of what we're talking about. Let's look at this. Sing and make music from your heart. How many of you know not all moments in your life this week are going to be appropriate for you to be singing. Some of you probably need to know that, actually. How many know that? Michael Crocker, working at, uh, I always forget the name of your firm. Plant Moran. Thank you, Plant Moran, which, how can you forget that? Anyways, uh, I, I wouldn't suggest for Michael to be, you know, singing about breaking every chain as he is dealing with all of his employees and, and that kind of thing, but, but sing and make music from your heart. So sometimes I can sing, but sometimes I can just be making music in my heart, if that makes sense. Living, walking, as I go through the grocery store, just being aware of the Lord being with me. Being aware of, of, of uh, my worship and my praise and keeping that intimacy and that connection with him. How many of you, that seems like, some, like a far stretch for you to actually walk, actually live in? I want you to be, be encouraged. Because it's, it's not something that you have to do. It's, not, it's, just, it's just a turning of the heart that can, be, that can happen at any moment in your life. So this, my friends, this thing of being filled with the Spirit through worship and heart connection is the key first step of being used of the Spirit. In other words, it's cultivating that atmosphere where the Holy Spirit is active and present and, and moving on in your life. And so I encourage you to, to take that seriously. Let's go to the second one. Ask. If you can go to Luke 11, 11. I'll just go quickly through this, these, these last two. Luke 11, 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Do you hear that? I'm a father. Sometimes my kid asks me for something, and I'm, I'm going to say no, if truth be told, actually, Pete. But, but, um, but a legitimate need that my son comes to ask, it is not in my nature to say no and to give him some other crazy thing. And, and Jesus is making the obvious parallel. How much do you need the Holy Spirit this thing that we're talking about. He is yearning for you to make space so that the Holy Spirit can be active in your life. And it starts with asking. Asking. So let me ask you, how about we ask God for something prophetically encouraging for another person? That may sound like really simple. Very few people do that. Ask God. Well, God can't. How do you know God can't do that for you? Have you tried it? Have you made yourself available? In a, maybe a community group time that we have during the weeks or whatever the case, or in here. Ask him. 
Ask God for open doors to minister. Like I went into my, my, my brokerage. 350 agents and et cetera, et cetera. People that I can connect with and hopefully impact and influence. It starts with asking. Ask and you, you will receive. Knock and, and, and uh, it will be open to you. Seek and you will find. And also ask for his presence. Just in your prayer life, how about asking God, God, I want, I'm seeking your, I want your presence. Okay. And then finally, the spirit. How many of you want the activity of the spirit? Thank you, Kurt. <laughs> Anyone else, hopefully? Activity of the Holy Spirit in your lives. I'm going to read a scripture. The spirit is where Jesus is being proclaimed and received as Lord. So in my life, if I am trying to maintain control of my life and guard it from God and not allow him in, the Holy Spirit is actually being pushed out of that space. It's to the degree that I bend my knee and, and take my concerns, take my fears, my worries, and my cares, and I bring them to Jesus and say, I need you in your leadership in my life. I make space for the Holy Spirit to come, for Jesus to come through his Holy Spirit and to lead me and to guide me and to empower me in those spaces. 2 Corinthians 3.17, that famous scripture down at the Spirit of Detroit statue that we reference often. Now the, the Lord is the Spirit. Who is, who is Lord? Jesus. And Jesus is the Spirit, is the Spirit of the Lord. Jesus and the Holy Spirit cannot be moved from one another. And if Jesus is Lord, then where Jesus is being received in any of our hearts as Lord, the Holy Spirit is free to be in that place. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Wherever the activity of the Holy Spirit is welcome, it brings freedom. Freedom from addictions, freedom from wrong ways of thinking, freedom from things that are messing up our marriages and our relationships, freedom. Freedom of the fears that so easily weigh on us throughout the week. Freedom. I like freedom, per personally. If you still don't believe me, I'll just read the scripture quickly. Acts 5.32. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. What's the context of receiving the Holy Spirit? It's with the intention of obeying, yielding. Jesus, you're my Lord. You're my leader. I'm following you. And to follow you and to do what you're telling me to do, I need your Holy Spirit. Make sense? Let's activate. We're going to go outside in just a minute. Thanks, Kurt. I'm going to ask you, if you want to stand, you, you, you can, but whatever is best for you in terms of just turning your own heart uh, to the Lord right now. And again, without some kind of practical application, what we're talking about here is just talk. Now is the moment to give space for you to activate and to actually use